Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the TCL of One on One series. Through the One on One series, we aim to interact with the best legal professionals and research professionals from India and around the world. Today, we have a very interesting episode on a very interesting theme that is prepack insolvency. And I couldn't be more happy and honored to welcome Mr. Tushar Kumar as a guest for this episode. I've had the honor of working with him during uh, our time together at the university. And I can vouch for the fact that he is one of the most hardworking and intelligent people I've met in the course of my law school journey. Uh, Mr. Tushar Kumar is a graduate from the National Law University, Lucknow, and has worked uh, at the Indian Institute of Corporate Affairs uh, in the Insolvency and Bankruptcy Research Department. He runs a fantastic blog on insolvency law, and we'll attach the link to that blog. If you're interested, please go ahead and subscribe to the blog. Sir, uh, thank you so much for joining in today. No, it's, it's my pleasure that you guys invited. And um, I really hope that through this conversation, we can uh, create productive discussion on the pre-packs because it's a very relevant issue right now. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks, sir. So on that note, as you mentioned, that it's, uh, you know, uh, something that is being talked about a lot right now. So, so just, you know, to get on with the conversation, can you tell us what exactly is uh, pre-pack insolvency and what are its benefits or what are some of its, you know, essential points that is making it relevant uh, in the present time? Right. Uh, so, uh... If uh, I were to say there is no accepted definition of pre-pack per se. So pre-packs is just a practice that has uh, basically evolved over a period of time. Uh, if I were to say in the United States of America or in Europe. But yes. if I were to give a simplified definition of pre-pack, pre-pack is basically uh, an arrangement wherein the sale of the assets of the corporate debtor, either partial or total, they are negotiated by the uh, corporate debtors, senior creditors, and the prospective buyer. Okay. And, and all of this is coordinated by the insolvency practitioner, of course, uh, which right. in India is the resolution professional, as they say, as per the IBC. Uh, right. So that essentially is what a prepack is. Uh, and all of this happens prior to the initiation of formal uh, insolvency process. So you don't need to, uh, you know, trigger whatever formal insolvency process is there in your jurisdiction. Like for India, it's the CIRP, uh, which you need to trigger and file. I mean, the respective stakeholder has to file an application in the NCLT to trigger that process. Right. Uh, and if I were to say the benefits, see the benefits actually flow from the definition itself. Um, right. So there are basically uh, three tenets on which prepack rests on. Uh, right. So first is the speed, second is efficiency, and third is confidentiality. Okay. Uh, so uh, if we are to talk about speed, as I already mentioned, that it's a very speedy process. It happens prior to the initiation of formal insolvency uh, procedure. Uh, so right. everything is negotiated off record, but it happens very uh, in a very speedy manner. Right? right. And by efficiency, I mean that since it happens uh, very quickly, uh, and there is no specified timeline to adhere to. Uh, by efficiency, I mean that the uh, value of the assets of the corporate debtor, they are not uh, really deteriorated over a period of time. And uh, if, if, if the insolvency process uh, prolongs for a period of time, the, the financial distress also continues for a long time and the value decreases. And if the value of the corporate debtor decreases, then there is less payout that is done to the creditors. 
so right. that jeopardizes the whole process of recovery or if i were to say the whole process of insolvency resolution per se so that in that sense it's very efficient and uh, confident and by by confidentiality i mean is um, uh, as per the practice that has evolved in uk and us it usually happens off record so the negotiations that happen uh, between the corporate debtor between the senior creditors and the prospective buyer they happen prior to anything that that comes on record there is no public announcement per se uh, there is no competitive bidding per se uh so by that it is very confidential it happens off record and uh if i i mean i have heard that in the uk it happens really fast over the over, over the weekend it it's completed so it's very confidential um but by all of this i do not make any reference to the model that has been recommended by the subcommittee of ilc in india that's a very hybrid model uh and uh, these benefits can you know fluctuate Uh, when this model comes into place, so it has uh, the benefits of prepack in some essence, but it also has the safeguard mechanisms that have been inserted in the IBC. So it's a hybrid model that has been uh, emphasized by the report. So yeah. Uh, so like, if I were to put it in very simple terms, it's basically the prepack insolvency. It's basically like an opportunity for all the concerned parties, the corporate debtor and uh, the creditors as well, to reach. a settlement before the start of the formalized uh, formalized process or in fact without even starting the formalized process it gives you an opportunity to uh, you know reach a common settlement as to how we want to revive that particular company right right, uh, right. and you uh, you also mentioned uh, about a very important report and i would recommend all our viewers to go through the report of the insolvency law committee which has made certain very important you know observations regarding prepack insolvency now sir you've also mentioned about uh, the model which uk has adopted in fact you very recently written about that model as well in one of your blogs so sir can you tell us more about that like what are the comparatives uh, like if you were to compare the models in india and uk uh, how would you know that occur right uh, so um, if any uh, you know reasonable comparison can be made actually if prepack comes into india it can be done with the uk only because um, uh, i mean although prepacks are prevalent in a lot of countries in the us also in the netherlands also in the uk also uh, but um, the the model per se of displacing the existing management that is common in uk and india right okay. so um, uh, i mean there are certain exceptions which i'm going to tell you about this so uh, the model which prevailed prior to 2020 in uk was an administration model wherein if you file for insolvency the existing management is displaced and this and entirely the same is applicable to india as well i mean the ibc so once an application is admitted the existing management is displaced the resolution professional then comes into the picture he manages and coordinates everything so in that sense it's very similar and by that i mean that comparisons can be drawn from the uk but right. recently if if you have read about this uh, the uk government they passed the corporate insolvency and governance act in 2020 and right. now they are gradually moving towards a debtor in possession model wherein the debtor will not be displaced so right. now they are gradually focusing towards something and deviating from the administration model so keeping this aside uh, if we talk specifically about prepack in the uk there is no legislative recognition of prepack so if uh, i were to tell you 
that i would look into a statute or a regulation there won't be any definition there or there won't be any regulation defining what prepack is essentially so um, and the reason is that uh, uh, their insolvency act which prevailed um, which still prevails is of 1986 and for uh, i think post the enactment for 14 to 15 years this practice evolved and then later on they enacted uh, 2002 enterprise act which gave certain leeway for prepacks to come into force in the uk right? right so as per the practice if i were to give you a definition in the uk what happens is the board of directors they pass a resolution right. and they appoint an insolvency practitioner um, and then they negotiate a deal uh, involving the senior creditors and i'm specifically saying senior creditors because uh, ordinary unsecured creditors are totally left out of the process they right. they are not aware of what is happening uh, and then this deal is also negotiated with of course the prospective buyer whosoever is willing to come forward and buy the assets of the uh, corporate debtor when this deal is already negotiated and done with uh, then they file for initiation of of the i mean they file for uh, initiation of the administration model uh, in the court and as and when the company enters into administration uh, the deal is done industrial it's executed right. by the insolvency practitioner as he is appointed as the administrator so all right. of this happens very swiftly and there is nothing uh, you know uh, which can be done to actually jeopardize this process right, right? Uh, so uh, if i were to talk about it a little bit more there are two more relevant points uh, right. in the uk which are really uh, really uh, you know significant if we were to draw any parallels for india Uh, right. which are firstly uh, their insolvency professional association they have prescribed a statement of insolvency practice so right. there are certain guidelines that the insolvency practitioner has to adhere to right. now uh, the irony of these guidelines is that these are not binding right. so the insolvency practitioner has the freedom to uh, do away with these guidelines one right. of the guidelines and, and these are very uh, good guidelines actually if i were to say and one of the guidelines actually mandated the insolvency practitioner to give a disclosure statement to tell as to what payout is being made to the creditors and how is this justifiable right, right. basically talks about you have to justify which course of action you took and why did you take that right right but that is not binding so that's the irony and if i were to talk about stats in 2019 there were 163 prepack sales that happened in the uk and in that only 28% uh, uh, of those prepack sales the insolvency practitioner gave a disclosure statement so it's just on paper it's it's uh, since it's not binding it's not in practice and the another thing uh, which is very relevant is the reference to a prepack pool so uh, okay. i hope you would, i mean uh, if if the readers have i mean if the audience the prospective audience has gone through the report they would be aware of the term of connected party sales or section 29a of ibc so there is a right. reference of course um, i would uh, prefer to go into detail into the i mean in the later part of this podcast but uh, uh, what i believe is that in the uk there is already a growing relevance of connected party sales right, right. so in 2014 uk constituted uh, a committee there under the chairmanship of teresa graham and right. that committee report actually instituted a prepack pool that is a pool right. of experienced uh, people uh, right. 
who will you know tell the insolvency practitioner about a deal being made to connected party whether it is viable or not right right so the irony of this point also is that until august i mean till now as well this is not binding so right. these referrals were also made in the uk if i were to talk about stats two six out of 260 prepacks that happened in 2019 these were made in just 21 it's it's okay. very handful so if you could understand it's it's entirely on paper it's not in practice anymore okay. uh, but the uk passed uh, i mean they are in process of enacting regulation they have released a draft and by that regulation uh, this is now mandatory right okay. so the referral is mandatory the opinion if the pool says that we are not agreeing with your sale then okay. it is not binding the insolvency practitioner still has the leeway to deviate from it uh, right. right so uh, if i were to give uh, uh, you know a gist of all of this is that is what i want to say in the uk there is adequate freedom uh, you right. know regardless of the criticism that it that is there in the uk uh, and so many controversies are there regarding connected party sales if you are to talk about or undervaluation or less payout to ordinary unsecured creditors despite that yeah. and despite adequate recognition of all of these issues there is so much freedom that is granted to the corporate debtor to the insolvency practitioner to have this prepack in their own way right right so yeah uh, i'm sorry sashwat what was the second leg of the question that you asked right and like if you were to draw any parallels to india uh, if yeah. there are any recommended models what are some key differences yeah so um, if i were to say uh, i mean uh, to answer this question i think it's uh, really relevant to look into what the model has been recommended by the subcommittee right, right. Uh, and only then we can talk about uh, drawing parallels so right. uh, the recent report that subcommittee of ilc has released uh, that right. is just a, you know that's just a recommendation they have made uh, right. to the ministry of corporate affairs stating that this model of prepack can come into place Right? right and um, they have given certain uh, a very good uh, directions i must say and certain uh, dicey uh, you know uh, right. can be called uh, uh, controversial uh, directions as far as the prepack can be said uh, right. so as per the model in india it involves a lot of uh, i mean there is a lot of involvement of the courts so oh. for the initiation of prepack uh the board of directors have to pass a resolution a 50% right. uh, i mean sorry the 50% approval from the shareholders have to be given okay. then a 50% approval of the uh, unrelated financial creditors has to be given then right. this has to be filed with the courts right. then they will admit the process uh then a moratorium would also come into a picture uh and then of course the rest of the thing goes along uh, the right. uh, resolution the insolvency practitioner is also appointed although it takes a backstage uh, play it is not so active uh, you know as opposed to the cirp under ibc um, the corporate debtor will stay in place it won't be displaced as per the prepack model that has been recommended in india uh, right. and then um, if i were to talk about uh, the major part that major part is about the resolution plan right right so the model that has been recommended by the subcommittee they say that uh, uh, we will allow eligible promoters you know to uh, first of all submit a base resolution plan right, right. Uh, now the catch in this 
part is that they are very swiftly mentioned eligible promoters right? right now eligible promoters have are only eligible if they are able to escape the wide the very wide net of section 29a of ibc right, right? and section 29a is a it's it's a very long section it runs right. across two pages two and a half pages if i were to say and right. it uh, you know it bars a lot of people from bidding uh, or becoming a successful resolution applicant uh, right. right so if i were to give some context of 29a uh, like right. previously i was talking about connected party sales so 29a right. talks about that if a person is in some way you know has been declared as a bankrupt or is in some way connected to the existing corporate debtor then right. you are not allowed to bid again right, right. Uh, because uh, uh, the indian i mean the blrc i mean the the indian uh, insolvency regime presumes right. those people to be actually responsible for the present state of the corporate oh, debtor oh, and yeah. they say that you are not allowed to come again uh, you know and bid for these uh, uh, i mean the assets of the insolvent debtor now uh, coming back to the prefab model so the subcommittee has said that only eligible promoters can actually bid uh, you yes. know they some they can submit a base resolution plan now these eligible promoters will be very less first of all right. uh, i mean very less who would escape the net of section 29a right, right. Uh, then the base resolution plan uh, uh, i mean if such a plan is not submitted by the eligible promoters or there aren't any eligible promoters uh, then what happens is the creditors with uh, will conduct a private bidding process they will submit this base resolution plan right, right. and then this base resolution plan uh, would you know if it is paying the operational creditors their debts fully right. and simultaneously it is also agreed by the coc by the committee of creditors right then this plan is accepted and then right. of course the respective person becomes i mean the the coc whosoever they have invited in uh, as per their private bidding that person becomes the successful resolution applicant but right. i i think it's it's uh, it's it's uh, you know it's a rarity which is going to happen that they are going to pay the operational creditors fully so right. if they are not paying them fully the operational creditors then a swiss challenge has been uh, devised uh, a swiss challenge model has been devised by the subcommittee um, right. so the, that swiss challenge model essentially is that uh, uh, that base resolution plan will be you know subject to competitive bidding uh, from the market so anybody can come and challenge that base resolution plan the value provided in the base resolution plan right, right. Uh, then uh, you know a competitive bidding will go on so the respective person will you know challenge the base the 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 uh, challenger plan the bid of the uh, you know base resolution plan uh, then that would be called the challenger plan then the first party which can be either the eligible promoters or can be the coc person whosoever right. they have conducted then they can challenge it again so this right. process will carry on for 24 48 hours right 24 to 48 hours then whosoever exits the process then that person will become the successful resolution applicant so it's a bit right. it's a bit complicated process if i were to say right because in the uk uh, and in the netherlands all of this happens off record so they right. conduct their private bidding and uh, all of this happens without any legislative or interference of the court uh, so that 
but the benefit in indian prepack is that a moratorium comes into place once a prepackage is initiated so moratorium right. is that no other creditor can now file for a claim you know uh, in right. a court simultaneously while the process is going on so it right. essentially safeguards the corporate debtor from any such you know uh, litigation uh, things that can crop up and that is all very usual that can happen in an insolvency right. process so it safeguards that uh but uh, the another thing that has to be noticed is that uh, the, the 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 report says that this plan accepted plan would become a plan as per uh, you know uh, the provisions of ibc right correct so uh, if i were to draw a certain um, uh, reasonable presumptions then i correct. think that this would be subject to appeal correct right so and this would be subject to appeal as per section 32 red with 61 and then this yeah. could go to nclat then of course uh, later on to the supreme court so yeah. all of this is missing in the uk uh, you know you can't appeal a prepack you if right. if any creditor is dissatisfied with the uh, you know the the plan or with resolution uh, at the least yeah. they can do what they can do in uk is that you can uh, subject that uh, practitioner that insolvency practitioner to a disciplinary proceeding right. it won't uh, you know uh, you know they won't stall the process of resolution that prepack resolution would be allowed to go ahead so right. uh, that is it um, uh, as far as the subcommittee model is concerned uh, right. I, i i don't think i'm missing uh, anything significant i mean uh, of course with with certain other things that are still there uh right. section 29a is still applicable and uh, yeah so this right. is in essence the model that has been recommended by the subcommittee as per the recent report that came out right. in january right so that was quite an insightful answer you covered uh, the british or uh, the uk model in its entirety and you've also talked about the recommended indian model uh, highlighting some of the essential uh, features and differences between the two now as per my understanding from your answer uh what i can see is that in uk uh it, as far as free pack insolvencies are concerned there is a lot of freedom that has been granted to the parties and the professionals as well however in india there is a lot of involvement of the courts firstly thereby you know uh, having some uh, consequences on that freedom and uh, because you know of the involvement of courts and the procedures you mentioned the process also becomes very cumbersome and formalized in nature uh so these were i think the essential differences or the major points that you talked about in the very uh, brief manner now we've also talked about sir section 29a and the question around related parties and i just had a very very small question with regards to that now if i were to ask for your personal opinion uh, you know from your uh, you know research and from your understanding of these issues uh, as you all know that the indian uh, you know insolvency committee report has suggested that section 29a should not apply you know to uh, prepack insolvencies they've also made this recommendation that it should not apply in case of prepack insolvencies what where do you stand on this issue uh, right. uh yeah all uh, right so uh, i'm sorry uh, for correcting you on this uh, but just uh, the, the subcommittee uh some members of the subcommittee they deferred i mean they 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 had a difference of opinion they wanted right. 29 ac to be relaxed 
but okay. then finally what they've come out is that section 29a would be applicable to prepacks uh, right it was so there would be opinion. yeah yeah so certain yeah. members they have uh, expressed their dissent uh, right. but overall they came out that uh, their i mean their overall consensus is been on the fact that 29a would apply in entirety to prepacks right. Right. so um, if i were to give a gist uh, as i uh, previously mentioned a term connected party sales so right. uh, uh, so uh, i would just go into the brief of you know what exactly right. is the uh, history of insolvency laws so in right. the uk as the system has evolved they think that the person who is actually running the enterprise the, the insolvent right. debtor uh, they those people are responsible for the insolvency you know the, for the subsequent insolvency Right. Uh, even if those people are not responsible even if it has happened due to market forces or even if right. it has happened to a force majeure event like covid presently so in even in i mean irrespective of anything uh, the the history has evolved in such a way that the people thought that the the person presently running the incumbent management that is presently running the corporate debtor these people are actually responsible for insolvency and hence they should be displaced right, right. uh and the other reason was uh, that these people you know they would have uh, uh, sensitive information pertaining to the corporate debtor so once they come again you know circumvent their route they come again to buy this insolvent debtor they would buy it at a very low price and right. this would lead to undervaluation in insolvency resolution which is not good you know for the payout to the creditors the creditors would be paid very less so that is right. one concern which Uh, pertains uh, in the UK also as far as connected party sales is concerned, and in India also, right? right. So initially, uh, 29A came. I mean, 29A in India came out in uh, I think 2018 as per um, right. a committee recommendation. This was amended. The IBC was amended later on, and 29A is a, a huge net, you know, uh, of right. people, uh, you know, uh, uh, making them ineligible. It's a list of right. people. There, these can be promoters. then there are undischarged insolvent if you are a willful defaulter if you have been classified as criminal uh, i mean adjudged as a criminal i'm sorry so uh, so that's a very huge list these people they cannot you know uh, right. come and bid for the assets uh, so right. any applicant which bids for the process has to give an affidavit that i am right. eligible as per 29a if right. that affidavit is not there then you are not certainly not eligible right so as far as prepack goes um, in the uk of course in prepack there is nothing on record so 29a is also not there 29a in the uk is not there even in their formal insolvency process like right. it is there in indian ibc it's not there uh, in the formal in their administration model or now their model recommended by siga right the corporate insolvency governance act but what is uh, you know uh, uh, of uh, bill a uh, worthy observation is the right. fact that uh, these connected party sales are one of the basic uh, you know uh, termite which is actually plaguing the prepack system in the uk right. and they have uh, you know adequately recognized this it's a most funny part because uh, uh, um, when the teresa graham committee report came out in 2014 uh, right. that report explicitly said that uh, connected party sales is one of the drawbacks of prepack and then only they recommended this you know pool of experienced people to whom such reference should be made so that they could give their opinion and certain authenticity could be granted um but uh, 
sorry yeah so uh, right. and also if i were to talk about uh, uh, you know certain stats uh, i think almost presently also uh, a lot of these three pack sales in uk are to connected parties and right. uh, they do not actually mind it and amongst all of those connected party sales almost one third of these sales are undervalued they are right. less than the market price is significantly lower than the market price so that is right. the drawback uh, you know as far as uh, the uh, connected party sales is concerned now right. what i think as per the model applicable to i mean the model recommended by the subcommittee these things right. are not of much relevance is what i think because right. uh, for two reasons uh, you know the basic uh, uh, reason which um, which which raises an area of concern as far as connected party is of undervaluation that cannot right. exist I, i don't think there is any reason for this to exist in the present model uh, right. because even if you know uh, 29a is not applicable and the base resolution right. plan is submitted by some you know promoter who has actually caused the insolvency of the corporate debtor right and if right. he submits it at a very low plan i mean at a very low uh, price Right. and uh, can and does not pay out or is not approved uh, that plan is not approved by the coc then it would be subject right. to a challenge right to the market participants they would actually you know to take into account as to what is the value the real value uh, of right. uh, the uh, you know the, the corporate debtor uh, and they would keep on uh, fighting for this they would keep on they, this would be a competitive process the swiss challenge model right. and this would go on till one party exits Uh, the process right and then a final applicant would be decided right? right so since it would be subjected to bidding it won't be at such an undervalue as is prevalent in the uk because there is no competitive bidding there it's just one person coming up uh, whosoever he is uh, it can be a promoter he can you know debt for equity swap they can give the uh, creditors shares in the new corporation it can be a shell corporation it can be a very undervalued uh, transaction but there is right. no check and balance mechanism at all right. so that there of course there is a uh, area of concern but in india i, I think there is there are very less chances because um, then of course uh, you know when this plan is all accepted then the nclt this plan will go to nclt then the nclt right. will give an approval right, right. so nclt will also uh, look into the fact that there are safeguards for operational creditors uh, there are there is a certain safeguard that is there for operational creditors under section 30 subsection 2 uh, clause b of ibc right. which talks about minimum payout that has to be paid to operational creditors so right. nclt will look into that also at that time right. so there it is a full proof process uh, you know what i mean is that right. uh, so 29a is in my opinion is of a bit less relevance uh when it comes to prepack because then there is no freedom right right if promoters have actually caused the insolvency then they should be you know given certain amount of discretion to come again and then revive it um and, and right. a very accepted and a very common uh, criticism that is there if you look up um, and search of uh, i mean for 29a is that it of course reduces the ambit of uh, potential bidders uh, right. you know you are making a lot of uh, eligible i mean not eligible but willing qualification uh, basically yeah the disqualification yeah. net is making a lot of uh, willing bidders uh, ineligible so even if they want right. to for a good price uh, they won't be able to so 
so right. so that is there uh, so uh, i think uh, 29a uh, what the members of the committee expressed a dissent on was for a specific clause that is 29ac uh, which yeah. says that um, if a person uh, has an account or if he manages any account of corporate debtor that has been classified as a non performing asset an npa right. as per the right. rbi guidelines uh, for at least a year then he is uh, you know not allowed to bid for the enterprise so some members had said uh, 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 and they they had expressed their dissent on this issue only uh, stating that this should be relaxed Right. Uh, and uh, the reason was that um, now for a year ibc had been suspended right, right. Uh, so what if an account was classified as an np in march or right. let's say in tw- on 20th march 2020 it was classified as an npa and then right. now ibc is be- has been resumed so right. in april or if in may or june july if the process happens then that person would be ineligible uh, right. and for a for a for a cause which is not entirely within his own hands right. but uh, uh, the the other members of the committee they said that this is uh, not uh, you know it's not irremediable it is it can be remedied so if a person right. has uh, an account which has which is an npa you can pay that debt off and then you can come out of the net of npa right, right. and then you become an eligible um, uh, you know a bidder a uh, resolution applicant you can be right so that is there uh what i think is that instead of applying section 29a right. uh what india i mean may do or the mca can think about is there was a certain discussion on this issue as well in the report uh, if right. uh, if if you are to see that uh was a reference which is made to the experience pool of people which is there in the uk right. now uh, how we can optimize that is that we can make this opinion binding on the on the process right? right so what happens presently in the uk is if there is a connected party sale right. uh, the regulations that have recently come into force which will be applicable i think from july or august uh, they right. say that if any connected party sale is happening then the ip the insolvency practitioner has to mandatory do either of the two things one is right. that either he has to take an opinion from the creditor i mean approval from the creditors or he has to make a reference to the experience pool of people right? right this is mandatory now either of these two courses of action have to be taken by the ip right, right. now the funny part is that once this referral is made and the pool says no this deal is uh, you know not viable in their opinion then the ip right. can very validly deviate from their opinion and he can write a statement that my reasons are these 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 right, right. instead of this we can make this referral mandatory uh right. and you know there can be a pool of experience pool of uh, people who can be referred to who can give their opinion on you know market practices uh, what exactly is the value of the enterprise and if it has been sold at a low value or if it has been overvalued right. so accordingly they can give their opinion and that can be binding so i think that that could be a good thing to actually look into uh, if right. 29a is applicable then uh, I, i think it's ex- essentially ibc then because right. uh, nclt is also been involved uh, at the initiation stage at the approval stage uh, right. then uh, uh, 29a is also applicable uh, you know right. the there is no freedom also for other good amount of bidders to come into picture to actually right. bid for a uh, you know this thing 
so i think uh, 29 yeah, a good alternative can be a referral to an independent pool which was also discussed by the committee in the report uh, that yes. can be done and the opinion can be binding so as to make sure that this whole model is optimized per se and right. um, it's not just on paper it's something that exists in practice is what i think right and i would have to concur with that i think opinion that if you were to grant a freedom to a process if in fact the benefits of a process are essentially based upon its freedom then uh, there is no point of you know uh, placing these nets and facing these wide net of disqualifications over that very process so as to cut down its very freedom so i would have to uh, concur to that opinion now coming to the final part of the conversation sir i have a two pronged question uh, first if uh, a formalized prepack insolvency regime was to be enacted in india how would it interact with uh some of the other provisions of the ibc if you were to mention you know some of the very brief points and lastly uh like where do you think the future lies can you see a formalized prepack insolvency regime coming into place in the near future right uh so i think uh, um, as per the report the subcommittee has said that uh, we would amend the code by an ordinance right? right and then all the specification would be specified by regulation uh, ibbi right. would come out with regulations Uh, if if this has to come if this were to come into the picture actually if prepack is coming into the indian insolvency regime then only of course mm-hmm. so uh, what i think that code amending i mean uh, there are a lot of things which are devi- i mean which are deviating you know uh, from the ibc right. which is essentially if you want to trigger an ibc process it happens by a section 7 9 or 10 application yeah. right but here it's happening by a simple majority of unrelated financial creditors and shareholder approval and then they are going right. in clt so i think the if the code is to be amended they would probably you know insert a provision stating that uh, i mean granting some recognition to prepack some freedom right. that this can happen right the board of right. directors or the shareholders can go for this the corporator can go for this and then the specifications would be specified uh, in the regulations per se uh, right. uh, what i mean is um, if you were to amend the code then it would be you know uh, an unnecessary confusion also because uh, uh, as per the prepack they say that coc can approve the plan by 66% but they can right. push it into liquidation by 75% which does right. not happen in ibc uh, ibc is uh, 66% approval if it does not happen then the process i mean uh then they keep on you know uh, evaluating plans the company is finally pushed into liquidation later on if by the nclt right. if uh, the process fails so that is how it defers you know the, right. the the interplay of ibc and prepack is a bit different so i think that would be specified by the regulations one very um, significant point that was specified by the subcommittee was that uh we would specify uh, you know major things uh through uh legislative instruments so this can be by regulations or uh, the provisions in the code but then a lot of informal things would be left to market practices right? right and i think by that what they mean is that it would be flexible because right. prepack is all about flexibility if there is no flexibility then it's not prepack uh so uh, that also i think that is a very good point actually to be noted so if not all things not all recommendations are actually embodied as regulations then i think prepack is a good thing to actually look forward to in the indian insolvency regime 
बट अदरवाइज देन आई डोंट थिंक इफ दे हैव स्पेसिफाइड द होल प्रोसेस हियर ऑन इन द कमिटी रिपोर्ट इटसेल्फ एंड विद द ऑल द सेफगार्ड्स द अपील प्रोविजंस एवरीथिंग इज देयर ऑफ कोर्स एंड इफ ऑल ऑफ दिस कम्स इनटू प्लेस थ्रू रेगुलेशंस इट वुड बी वेरी डाइसी टू सी हाउ दिस कम्स अबाउट बिकॉज़ एज आई सेड एनसीएलटी इनिशियली अप्रूव्स फॉर इनिशिएशन so if there is pending you know if nclt uh, does not approve it the initiation of prepack what would happen then at the right. first stage it would lead to delays uh, we have already seen how nclt has unnecessarily interfered in the ibc process also uh, you right. know uh, for application initiation applications filed by financial creditors operation creditors they take into account you know certain extraneous circumstances to adjudicate those applications which are actually not required and that leads right. to delays those people appeal to nclt then to supreme court so that keeps on increasing the you know barriers so that is uh, uh, one thing and um, uh, how quickly can they come up with is uh, I, i i think the what uh, the ministry actually thought uh, before coming before constituting this report and i mean constituting this committee and quickly coming out with this report was the fact that we are presently uh, i mean we still uh, going through a global pandemic right? right so there have to be certain debtor friendly provisions uh, right. and those provisions are prepack right so prepack is a pro debtor uh, friendly model right. it does not displace the debtor right so right, right now whatever uh, distress is there i mean mostly most of the distress that is there in the market is not because the current management is mismanaging or something of that sort it is because of right. the reduction of demand people right. who had not been going out they have not been buying either because of preventive okay. measures social distancing measures so right. that is not their fault the incumbent right. management and hence it's a data friendly model that the government thought that the pre pack we can come up with pre packs and uh, we can implement this Uh, yeah. i think uh, i am not really sure if the ministry is very optimistic to implementing this quickly uh, yeah. i think this will take maybe some time but right. uh, in the interim i think what uh, if if i were to say a debtor friendly model then uh, this is another you know uh, if i were to say pre- there is no freedom per se it's a it's a different uh, framework of insolvency that has been defined Right? right so this will also evolve with practice uh so that is what uh, the catch is and uh, as as we have seen in other countries they did not think about uh, you know enacting prepacks per se that suddenly they think that there is distress in the market and we should right. come up with a legislative enactment recognizing prepacks no that there was just a practice that has been evolved for probably 19 to 20 years uh, right. and they had been witnessing that people are not entering into formal insolvency they are right. going off record they are settling right. their disputes or they are settling their claims with the creditors senior creditors and they are uh, you know uh, making certain schemes of arrangement they are uh, causing the resolution of the company so this should be given certain legislative enactment or right. a certain discretion but in Basically india i don't think that's really given legal recognition yeah right yeah. so in the uk it's all that it, it has evolved over time now i don't think india i mean there has not been a considerable time that has passed since the enactment of ibc ibc right. became uh, you know a law since 2017 and right. uh, uh, the process is still evolving the framework of ibc Absolutely. is still evolving so at that time if you were to come into a new 
framework of free packs per se it would be a bit problematic i would say because it would then you know incur a, an additional burden on the stakeholders to be very aware with this free pack process also uh, i mean what this model is and then where can it be subject to abuse it can be subject to certain right. litigation or not so that is the part i think uh, is uh, Pre, if pre, government uh, is coming is really optimistic in coming up with free pack it's a good thing uh, i i'm really looking forward to it uh, and i really hope that they take into account that discretion and freedom has to be there uh, if it's right. actually a data friendly measure uh, it should not right. be you know uh, injuncted with so many uh, safeguards so as to ensure that the creditors are not being abused of or or let's say other you know uh, undervaluation or other things are happening so uh, right. that is one thing uh, another thing is that the government can also look into uh, the other schemes that are there in the indian insolvency framework so the companies right. act uh, 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 there there is a scheme of arrangement that can be entered into right. uh, you know by the companies so that is something that has been rarely used by corporations uh, right. and by Uses, I mean, debt restructuring, not not shareholders yeah. or uh, other form of restructuring, but debt restructuring for pay, paying out the creditors per se. And by that, uh, why it has been rarely used is there are a lot of reasons. Um, you know, there are no classes of creditors that have been defined. So operational right. and financial creditors does not exist there. Uh, that yeah. has to be done by NCLT. Then the NCLT can also look into whether it's fair or not. So I think uh, that process can be optimized. You know. uh the scheme right. of arrangement things it's a debtor friendly measure of course the debtor is not removed uh, in right. that and a moratorium does not come into place which can also be uh, looked into but i think instead of coming up with an entirely separate thing which as per the timeline that they have suggested in the model is going to take 90 to 120 days i mean within right. 120 days so that is also in itself a lot of you know a time framework that is there um i won't compare this with uk or us because that happens there there it happens in 2 3 days and we shouldn't right. make any draw any comparisons because of course that has it's a very you know mature insolvency framework mature yeah. insolvency regime and india has just come into the picture so i think right. um, the existing regime should be optimized uh, rather than looking into you know certain a bit different models uh, you know Uh, like prepack because that would require sensitization as well stakeholders mm-hmm. need to be adequately aware uh, about right. the new things it would be subject to abuse and by sensitization i also mean the members of the nclt need to be aware so right. they are the people who are actually adjudicating this thing they need to be accordingly trained they need to be informed what prepack is happening and when it is happening uh, right. also one important point that i missed and uh, uh, one thing that i want to uh, make as a recommendation is uh, uh, so this pre pack it actually i mean when i said that this happens that uh, the corporate debtor or the i mean 50% shareholder approval and a 50% unrelated financial creditor approval is there this happens on a default so if the corporate debtor is not has not paid one claim or has yeah. willfully defaulted irrespective of that then only this thing happens so then only you can go for pre packs you the shareholder approval has to be there and then so uh, i think on this front um, uh, what one thing i can say is that uh, in the uh, uh, european union uh, the ec has come up uh, I, i think in 
17 or 16 they came up with this directive uh, right. it's a preventive restructuring directive so it's a pre insolvency mechanism so that right. says about how you handle distress uh, you know prior to entering into insolvency it's a very comprehensive thing it's not right. pre packed so um, pre packed is off record going completely off record right and right. india has done a i would say india has done a hybrid of pre packs and pre insolvency so in that the right. uh, european commission has recommended a lot of things they said that you can enter into pre insolvency even i mean very prior to actually the stress is occurring uh, right. so if there is a slight chance you can enter into this model and there is a proper model that they have devised right right so i think uh, uh, if that is if you want to take guidance from that that there is a very comprehensive model that was divided by european commission uh, that was something which is happening pre insolvency right there were right. there are no defaults per se it's happening prior to the stress so now if right. pre packs is happening on default uh, i mean if the corporate debtor is willfully defaulting or is otherwise also defaulting then i right. think uh, it's a bit late that this thing is happening so it has to be done very quickly and right. time has to be emphasized more rather than looking into safeguard so right. um, uh, one one other thing that is there is that uh, once prepack is there the creditor cannot initiate ibc uh, you know regime so they cannot right. go to the nclt and say okay, no we are backing out now now right. we want cirp to begin with so no no they can't say uh, this uh, because the committee has said that there can be no simultaneous due process Right. so once pre pack is there the cirp would also you know abate all of these uh, i mean nothing of that sort can start so that is also uh, to be looked into i think it's a very sophisticated thing uh, moving forward if uh, the mcs to look into and i think right. they would make uh, an optimum decision and um, yeah and even if this is uh, enacted or if this is Uh, this has come into the picture later on uh, maybe you know 6 7 months later on i think uh, this model would then be you know subject to amendment um, as right. you have seen in ibc you would know since 2017 there have been numerous amendments and that have right. been you know uh, a result of uh, consequent litigation and request being made by practitioners or request being made by the business uh, debtors or anything so they have taken into account stakeholder uh, review and then they have come up with certain amendments so i think the mca would also be you know very open to the idea of amending it later on so i think i i really hope that this comes out to be a good thing for uh, debtors which have been facing a continuous stress uh, during covid time well thank you so much for that excellent insight sir and thank you so much for this insightful conversation uh, you've dealt with very uh, a very complex procedure and you know uh, something which has a lot of you know literature and something which has a lot of you know a different practices all over the world in in a very beautiful manner so sir it was an honor to host you and thank you so much once again all right thank you so much ashwath uh, it was uh, a good conversation with you uh, and thank you for inviting me uh, i think the tclf has been doing good work and i look forward to other podcasts as well in the future thanks so much thank you